Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Comic Chronicle Podcast. I'm your guys' host, Dakota Morgan, coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. Today we have on a really fun guy. Brennan Wagner is on the show today. He's a colorist from all over sort of stuff. You know his father, but you know what? We're talking to Brennan today because, man, we get in-depth about being a colorist in comics. What that means, like, it's a very, very essential job that a lot of people look over a lot of days. And we talk all about that setting goals for oneself and, you know, starting that future and working towards the future that you want, you know, being a nerd and what it could lead to behind the scenes, a little bit in comic book business, all sorts of weird shit like that. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And if you want to stay tuned for new free episodes every Monday, I mean, F-R-E-E, the magic word free, come on now, then you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or comicchronicle.podbean.com. For new episodes with interviews behind the scenes and more every Monday. Of course, as always, though, this is a Nerd with Balls production. I always like to say it in one out when I can. And if you guys want to follow on social media, you guys can follow me to stay in touch with the show. I am at Dakota Morgan3 on Twitter or on Instagram. You can check out some of the comic book work I do too. I am at Dakota underscore Morgan97 on Instagram. So yeah, hopefully you guys are staying safe out there though and staying healthy. Please stay healthy, wear your mask, all that sort of shit like that. I'm not going to reiterate it here. You know what you have to do. Just fucking do it. Come on now, folks. Help save the world. But besides all that, though, hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. And if you do, subscribe. Helps us out greatly. Now enough flow with me rambling. So without further ado, here is my talk with Brennan. And recording software is good. Yeah, we are recording. I like to do this with everybody who's on the show because I'm a man of respect. Brennan, welcome to the show, good man. Yeah, oh, man, it's, you know, honestly, so far today, I've been doing pretty good. I just did a lot, little bit of work for a film project right before this. And honestly, I don't know about you, but I have not turned on the news at all today. And I haven't gone outside from my home studio, so I'm feeling great. <laughs> I haven't checked anything. So, so far in America, I'm doing good. How about you, man? It says, let's see, it says Aurora, Illinois on my phone here. Is it, it's nice there right now? Mm-hmm. No, that's my actually, believe it or not, that's my hometown. So I'm using my cell phone, just converting stuff and want to, I actually am in Arizona currently. So oh, it's hot as fuck. Oh my God. It's one thing is where I don't miss working outside, to be honest. I, I really don't because I would look like Edward Cullen vampire. I'd have so much sweat <laughs> on me. It's like, oh my god, like Dakota's all shiny. What is he? I'm like, well, I'm I'm not dating fucking Bella or whatever the hell her name is anytime soon. I'll tell you that for free. Oh my <laughs> god. Yeah, it's well you're in Oregon, if I remember correctly. I'm I'm currently in Oregon. Mm. Uh, I was visiting my folks here and one of my folks, of course, uh, Matt Wagner, who also works in comic books. Nice. <laughs> I work with my dad on all kinds of projects. I'm sure I'll talk about that here in a bit. But uh, I was visiting them when COVID happened. Oh. Uh, I, I actually live in New York with my wife um, mm. in, in Hell's Kitchen, about a five-minute walk from Times Square. You know, words can't express how sorry I am right now for you. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. Have you been yeah, camping out? I get that a lot these days. Yeah, I was visiting uh, Portland when COVID happened, and so I've been here just hold up with my folks ever since, and I haven't seen my wife in six months. It's crazy. Oh, she's not there. Oh, shit. She was in New York at the time because I was visiting alone, and so she fled New York to her parents' place in Roanoke, Virginia, 
So she's there, and I'm here, and um, looks like we're going back here uh, in the next two or three weeks. Two or three weeks. That ain't too bad. I mean, as we both know, a lot can happen in America in two to three weeks, but who knows? You should be all right. <laughs> yeah, it was supposed to happen uh, months ago. It keeps getting pushed back because of everything going on. You know? True. Are you, are you still working, though, while you're there, or is it one of those things I'm where it's like, I'm off? I've always worked remotely. I have that luxury with with my career so uh so yeah you know and but even before we were in new york we were in uh san francisco for her job as well she works in the film industry doing post-production nice work nice very nice oh yeah she's she's amazing at what she does she's currently the lead on uh, nosferatu and she's worked on a number of wonderful films like rogue one star wars and uh hereditary are among my favorites you both are artists in your own fuck. As a guy who works in film and comics, like I mentioned like that appeals to me. Like that's uh, uh, it's amazing when you're with somebody who like my girlfriend now. Shout out to you, Michaela, I love you. Is she's an artist in her own sense, and she's kind of gonna be breaking into the comic book industry a little bit here. So seeing that she's an artist, artist. So and seeing that like when it's always when you're with somebody in a relationship, but they're an artist too in a sense. It's always kind of interesting, isn't it? Warn her that publishing is is extremely terrible right now. Yeah, oh, I've I've I felt the hits from the publishing very hard. I was supposed to have a book come out in stores, and then COVID said no. <laughs> it's like no, sir. So yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Both of the books that I was coloring at the time, I typically do two issues of coloring a month. Um, so each issue about 22 pages, so roughly, you know, 40 to 50 pages a month is what I color. And, uh, both the books that I was doing, one for Image and one for Dark Horse, they got put on pause. Oh. Yep. We were midway, Pop and I were midway through, uh, his latest Grendel installment where issue four had just come out and COVID happened. And so issue five is on pause and this is a... Uh, eight issue mini series that will get collected into a trade paperback when it's all done. Um, possible hardback. That's the way it goes with almost every project that I do. Is uh, simply because I need a page rate. I expect projects that are that are published monthly in single issue installments that I that have a sort of a wrap up point and will be collected into a trade. Uh, Either a paperback or a hardback. Um, that's that's sort of the my main niche, I'd say. <laughs> not a bad niche, though, man. It's not a bad niche at all. I mean, that's the way to go if you're in the artist side of things there, in a sense. And, you know, I think we have to talk about it because I honestly got to admit, I've only had a couple colorists on the podcast. And I love talking to you guys because it's really not a, jo- a job people really highlight as much. With I think, I think that's bullshit because everybody's integral for a fucking comic. Or anything, really, anything in the arts. Like, what exactly do you do? Tell people at home who don't know, and to those people, how fucking dare you, why you listen to the show, but what is it exactly that you do for comics, for being a colorist? Uh, okay, so yeah, um, it, it ranges as far as colorists and their relationship with artists go. You know, um, the second that a colorist is working on something that was drawn traditionally, drawn with pen and ink, you're talking about a multimedia piece of art all of a sudden uh, because it's 
uh, pencil and ink were used on paper, but now digital or even traditional paints are being applied by somebody else. So all of a sudden you have, it's, it's a collaborative, it's a team effort to create this art, to create this final product. And of course the letter will come in at the end and add balloons on there. But for the most part, a digital colorist like myself is adding color, whether it be flat color or painted colors uh, underneath the inked line art of a of an artist of an illustrator um black and white for the most part i have worked on grayscale images as well that's when an artist chooses to use um watercolors or gouache or ink wash or even you know colored pencil for texture and you end up with uh, pixels that are not entirely either black or white um but for the most part i'm given an image that is on the grayscale and then I'm colorizing it. I'm adding mood, atmosphere. Um, oftentimes, I'm I'm helping to tell narrative moments uh, or or give them more impact. Like an action scene will require more bright, bombastic, saturated colors versus a sort of quiet moment. Um, and this all comes. This decision making is almost entirely on me. I'm usually given very little notes, and that varies from project to project and and relationship to relationship. Uh, for the most part, colorists form relationships with artists, not with publishers, mm. um, and that that can vary too from from colorist to colorist. But for me, and for most people that I know, it's it's a matter of uh, hooking up with an artist for one project, and if it clicks, if it works they're just going to keep coming back to you. They're going to keep wanting to collaborate with you and edge the publisher to employ you as a colorist because they have examples of your work together um, and so forth. So, so that's, that's what I do. Uh, that's what I do. <laughs> I mean, needless to say, though, it's an important job. Uh, it's a very important job. Definitely. And it just, it, like I said, it still pisses me off that colorists don't get wrecking. Like, everybody is integral. Like I said before, they're all integral for making a comic, you know. Uh, just speaking yeah. comics in general here, like, everyone's integral. I, I had a, like, right before this, actually, literally right before this, like a minute before I called you, we, I was on the, like, doing a conversation with someone from the film business for a project, and we were talking about this thing, and, we we're saying how you know we because I work behind the scenes with effects and costuming and writing and stuff like that. Most of, sometimes writing you get recognition for, it, but like most of the time working behind the scenes and stuff like that, it's kind of fun. Although when you do a lot of behind the scenes sort of shit like that, like do you get as much do you think recognition, or is it kind of that thing where it's like you know what I'm kind of hidden away, but I like it. Yeah, I mean that 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 will always be the case, and that's the case definitely with film and TV. With any with any um, project with a lot of moving parts and a lot of people involved, I think the the fundamental difference there between um, uh, like the way the uh, the shared sort of um, recognition or the the shared glory of the project is. Um, split in a movie it's split between a whole lot of people and with comic books it's split between very few people this is one reason that i've never made that sort of diagonal 
leap over to a better paying job in, in film and TV. Um, who knows? Maybe I will be any day now. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I haven't made that shift because um, I really enjoy having as few opinions creatively mm. on a project that I'm working on as possible. I think that a lot of TV and film gets bogged down by a zillion different people's opinions or input on what this final vision should be. And that certainly can make some wonderful, wonderful art. But for me, I just kind of work better. I work better with as little input as possible. I, I work best, honestly, with uh, as few notes as possible. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've turned down projects before where I did a page or two sample with an artist, and even though they loved the work, they were just note-crazy kind of people, neurotic, OCD kind of people. Mm -hmm. and, um, and they produce brilliant art. That's why, I, you know, that's why I wanted to work with them in the first place. But I just don't work as well with those people. When I get a page back of notes for a single page of art. I just simply don't have the time. As a colorist, doing as much work as I'm doing, I have to do about two pages a day. I just have to. And, uh, and you know, I just can't be going back and fiddling with stuff. A lot of colorists work differently than me, and they'll do, like, a, sort of a once-pass-over of, of the whole issue or they'll work on, like, half the issue at a time and kind of fine-tune parts here and there until they're happy with the whole thing. And I really just go one page at a time. I, I read hmm. the script. I read the script through. But I, I just, you know, when I sit down and work on something, I want to be enveloped in that thing. And so that's, that's what I do, uh, working page to page. That's a good way to do it. I'm not even jacking you off or anything like that. I'm telling you the truth. That is a good old fucking way to do it. I you can focus on each page too and give it the exactly. amount of attention, the equal attention that every page really deserves. Exactly. I I can't relate any more to that because I'm relating so much to it. And I personally, myself, I don't have that many people on my thing either. I, I like that a lot because you can produce good content when you have so many people with different opinions and whatnot. You can, it's possible. Yeah. But it feels. To me, it feels like you're constricting a little bit. I don't have to worry about that. I have my editor, and then, like, that's it for the comic company I work for, SGGS Comics. Like, we, that's it. You know, that's all we have. And, like, the artists, and I try to make sure things are nice for the artists because I don't like being an asshole writer who's like, here's this big, cubonic thing, thousands of people. I hate that shit. I don't like doing that to them. That's murdering the artists. But... When you constrict a little bit, though, or you get the feeling of constricting and being put on the corner, it really limits you. No matter, like, artist, writer, colorist, it really does limit you, I think, in your and your possibilities of what you can provide for a certain project. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's weird to think that, and people are like, well, you're still doing it, though. I'm like, yeah, but it's kind of, you know, when you have more freedom on something, it's a little bit better, and you can add a little bit more to it. I think that um, there are fine examples, like I said, out there, though, of, of a lot of moving pieces really just clicking and working together. Yeah. And perhaps those are the grander and more um, more appreciated projects, but I find that they're pretty rare. A, a good example, I think, is uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. I don't yes. know if you've seen this incredible, incredible work of, of fiction. But, oh, it's beautiful. Uh, you know, every moving part of that works the the background art is is beautifully painted the figures 
when they move and emote and, and say their dialogue, they have so much range of emotion. And, and all of these are different departments and different people really, really giving it their all so that this final product is just so wonderful. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, it's truly an achievement when yeah. all those things can click like that. In comics, and for me, it's just, yeah, it's a lot easier to click with just a few people, you know, a writer an artist, a colorist, boom, mm-hmm. that's three people. And then the letterer can, you know, he, he adds something too. But really the, the main sort of force of the uh, of the thing is uh, is the writer, artist, and colorist. True. Oh, it's 100% true. And you can't get any better than that. But how did you, though, Brendan, how did you get started in comics? Because we all have our origin stories. Like mine was fucking justice league cartoon back in a day and i I don't think you're that much older than me i don't know i'm 23 i think you're maybe a couple years older than me um i'm about to turn 30 that's not bad (laughs) that's only that's only a few that's not bad at all and i also grew up with that show (laughs) yeah that's true that's true i mean everyone yeah in the time frame that we're in yeah like that's what got me into doing comics and shit like that that godzilla about the uh the bruce tim stuff right the uh yes yeah, yeah, yeah. All that shit. The, ba- the Batman animated series. I I loved every single one of those growing up. The X Men one, the Spider Man oh, one. Yeah. The, it, although those had vastly different art styles, but the the Marvel ones were great, and the DC ones were probably even better. The Superman one was fucking awesome. <laughs> it's true. Well, I'm. God damn it, I'm a weird one. I don't think I've ever said this on record. Is that my first show before all of them was Batman Beyond? Hey folks, Dakota here with a little bit of an ad break, but this is one you definitely want to listen to if you guys are a comic fan, which you are if you're listening to the show. You guys like comics and you like reading them in person. Well, let me tell you, go to Drawn the Comics in Glendale, Arizona. This is not just a hype thing for this ad, let me tell you. I've been going there for years. I've had Cam Brown on the show all the time. Such a good guy. It's such a good community. Everyone who works there, they know you. They, you get your box number. You get your thing. You get all you need to do there. You get your collectible toys, car, whatever it may be, comics. It's all there for you guys. That's Drawn the Comics in Glendale, Arizona. Here's the address, 5801 West Glendale Avenue, Glendale, Arizona, in downtown Glendale. And if you guys want to visit them, you can visit them drawntocomics.com or find them on social media and the number is 623-847-9090. You give them a call. Definitely, guys, I love going to the store. And this is not a fucking lie. I love going. It's so amazing. Thanks, everyone. And hopefully, you guys check them out if you're in Arizona or maybe passing through. Remember, guys, Drawn the Comics. Go check it out for your books. Reading books in person is so much better than digital. But I love digital too, so it's a little bit of a toss-up. Support brick-and-mortar companies. We definitely need you to. Thanks, everyone. And now, without further ado, I'm going to take it back to future me. And that's oh, yeah, where I, I found that. Batman Beyond, too. And that was, Batman Beyond was, was also Bruce Tim. Yes. You know, it's all that, that whole... Um, they were going for sort of a uniform style back then uh, that, mm. that was just so clean and clear-cut again all based on the designs of bruce tim um darwin cook kind of rolled with that style too for many years and loved that look definitely definitely was raised on that and and much more though you know because of my father um it's hard to trace my nerd origins i can tell you exactly where i got started in publishing but i this is my entire existence from my first memories to now is just pure inundation with comic book and nerd culture because of my father because i mean i i grew up going to conventions you know my, my dad would pull me out of school to go to conventions with him across the country oh, and wow. I, would, I would work his table as a, as a you know as a young kid as a 10 year old even 
So I, I grew up with this stuff all around me. And unlike my father, who grew up in the middle of nowhere and had to sort of create these stories, and that's why he became a, a writer, I, uh, I, I grew up with, with, a, with a huge saturation level of this stuff. I mean, just as I talk to you right now, I'm standing in my dad's studio, and there is just stuff everywhere. Oh, fucking you know? bad, yeah. Um, and every one of his friends is, is, you know, anytime that I was over at their houses growing up, it was all just, just saturation of material. And I think that's probably why I got into coloring, uh, too, is because a lot of the time when I see line art in comic books or whatever, I think to myself, like, I could color that better. Mm. <laughs> Um, or I, I could I, rather I could enhance that. Ah, there you go. Yeah, it's like I'll add the Brennan touch to this real fast. <laughs> and, you know, I've grown up around so much line art and stuff, and and seen the way that it's transformed by color in so many ways that uh, that yeah, I really feel like over the years I've sort of established pretty clearly what I like in terms of um, aesthetics and design um, and and. Uh, subject matter hmm. um but yeah it's hard to really trace where my love with comics began because i've just always always been reading them uh dragon ball z as a kid um tons of those i had literally every single dragon ball z graphic novel it was oh, like, 50 months, like uh, oh wow <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I just a lot of people that are listening right now that are probably like, "Fuck you, man!" I wanted it. <laughs> like we're really jealous right now. Oh, this guy. Yeah, I would just oh. go and find him at conventions. Ronma one half. That was also wonderful stuff. Had ah. just a giant stack of those. Um, but I read tons of European stuff too. I, I grew up on Tintin. Um, I remember reading Tintin under the covers with a flashlight when I was like fucking five. That's adorable as hell. Uh, I was so young reading that stuff, and um, but also uh, American superheroes too. Um, I grew up reading a ton of stuff that that my dad gave me, and that was really great to have him as a sort of uh, a funnel for mm. material, um, so that I really was never handed anything that was bad. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, I mean, yes, yes. I like that. It sounds like you were born into it, man. Like, and I love when people get into the business, especially. I will just was just stick with comics because we could go into all sorts of things. When people get in the business of comics, and it's one of those where either you're born into it, like yourself, or you grew up with it, and then you get into it, and you're like, yeah, this is because I think it adds to what you do, you know. Especially when you're being raised like yourself. I mean, it sounds like you came out of the womb and is like, here's a TV show, or here's the animated series, or here's a comic, here's heroes and stuff like that, like. Almost. 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 Almost, man. I mean, literally, my my first rated R film I saw when I was five years old, and it was The Terminator, and my dad was determined to sit me down and watch The Terminator. Really? Of of course, his his Eisner Award-winning book, uh, (laughs) War Child, is basically Terminator 2 in a post-apocalyptic future. Yeah. Uh, so he was anxious to show me that. One of my earliest true loves was Kill Bill. Kill Bill really mm. like changed me fundamentally. Um, <laughs> it, it and Terminator desensitized me in many ways and, and taught me the, the power of storytelling because, you know, I, I used to be so scared of this stuff, so 
it, it caused such an emotional stir, you know, when you're younger and you watch this stuff, it's so intense. Mm. And I think, you know, if you have those intense reactions watching this stuff, you're, you're recognizing the, the storytelling power going on there. That even though this is not real, what you're seeing, it feels real. And I think that falling in love in that sense, um, is what does it, you know, from a young age, you, you fall in love with that feeling, the feeling of, of escapism, of being fooled into thinking that this thing is real. And that's what, that's what I'm trying to replicate, you know, all the time to this day, uh, a sense of realism, but also a sense of escapism. I think the mm. mid ground there would probably be surrealism or, uh, impressionism. Impressionism is, uh, some of my favorite, art period in all of art history that's I, i'm often drawing from from impressionist paintings when i'm doing color work or when i'm doing painted work i do a lot of digital painted work this, these days too um and uh and i i really you know there's this mid-ground because you you do want to escape but you also want to relate so you want yeah. you want this thing to feel real in some sense like you can relate to it i that's beautiful as hell. I can't like. There's honestly, I can't put words to that other than, yeah, that's exactly the case. And I think going off that is when you're an adult, though, as you get older, it's one of the few good things. There's not that many good things. Younger listeners out there, getting to be an adult sucks. But one of the few good things. <laughs> it doesn't have to. It's true. It does not have to. I mean, I yeah, I can't say shit. I the careers I do, I love with a passion, but. You know, we get to tunnel, like funnel that and put it in the song. I think as you get older, like that sense of escapism and stuff. I mean, fuck, it's why I love giant monster stuff and then Jurassic Park and dinosaurs and stuff like that too. And well, it's a couple of my books out right now. So having that, like, you get to funnel it and put it into something. You get to actually understand it and maybe put it into your old your your life and everyday life. I think that's why people like when a kid. That's beautiful, though. Like, it is, I'll agree 100% because there's some stuff I was scared. Like, The Blob, I think I was scared at. One of the remakes. <laughs> and I don't know why because, like you, my dad showed me a movie when I was five. I rated my first rated R movie. And it's funny that you spring up The Blob because that's one of my, that's one of my dad's uh, first like real scary movies no that shit. Really got to him. <laughs> no shit. That's cool. I mean, mine was probably the remake though from the nineties. Yours was definitely the remake. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was the original. It, no, no. The original I'd probably laugh at. But then it was the remake one where they were sticking it like I remember the scene, but now I love the blob. And shit, I work in effects and film and I made a blob once for the hell of it. And it was very cool. <laughs> oh that was a lot more work than people think. And I remember it was a scene in there where you stick this lady or the guy was sticking his hand down the drain. And he knew the blob was like, oh, well, that's fucked. I didn't know. All right. But my first radar movie, my dad showed me that did it for myself because I really hard that because mine was not as classy as the Terminator. Mine was Spawn. Yeah. <laughs> like, Spawn's kind of a bad movie. <laughs> yeah. The books are really good. But the, and the hero is pretty fun. But that movie, Jesus Christ, it, I like being a five year old and watching Violator tear shit up. It's like you know what, this is pretty cool. <laughs> I don't understand most of the shit going on. But this is really cool. I loved it as a kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> then you got older, and then when you got to be an understanding adult, you're like, oh fuck, oh no. Yeah. Most of um, most of that like overly dark 
kind of almost metal stuff just doesn't do it for me anymore. A lot of the um, like Snyder stuff from the '90s and early aughts, mm, uh, yeah. those, those films, like that style. A lot of that dark stuff, brooding, vigilante, tough on crime bullshit. A lot of a lot of that stuff just doesn't really speak to me anymore. In fact, these days I'm really trying to work my way out of superhero fiction and into. Um, fantasy horror we were talking about Ooh. horror here quite a bit i i absolutely love horror movies good ones <laughs> yeah <laughs> those are rare these days but yeah 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 but there's there's still some good ones my dad and i were actually watching uh, the lighthouse last night fucking awesome, awesome movie that was good i got on my to watch list i gotta still catch that man yeah, I, it's good stuff I, one of the first uh, horror movies that he showed me that really changed me also was the thing the thing Ooh. is uh is, is just tremendous filmmaking. Yeah. I mean, shit, the other one you can say that's probably affected a lot of people, mine was Aliens. Oh, yeah. The Thing, Alien, yeah. Drunken Predator, um, yeah, Shining. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, oh, speaking of Predator, though, I mean, I want your take on this a little bit here. Let's see what you think of this, because we're on a horror movie motif now, because I fucking love that shit, too, fantasy and all that. Let me, we have a comic coming out here. And it's based on the original Predator's design and script. Uh-huh. I think oh, that's cool. The, the, the like bigger, bigger, clunkier uh, version. The, of the insectoid-looking thing. Yeah, that little yeah. thing. Yeah. And they got action figures coming on this, dudes. I don't know if you're that big of a Predator fan or not, but if you are, stay tuned for that shit, because I don't know when it's coming out now, but it's apparently coming out. That's cool. Yeah, I, I'm a huge Predator fan, obviously, but, yeah. but kind of only the first two, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean you did get to work on one fantasy thing though and well you got to work on hellboy if i'm not mistaken i got to work on hellboy hellboy is a great um example of genre fusion today that that really works that that would be fantasy horror um mm. and i love i love stuff that um that fuses genres like that. Another thing that I'm really into these days is, uh, especially when it comes to TV, um, when I'm watching shows, I like stuff that is, uh, that fuses, um, mood and, Ooh. and, um, and theme and tempo. Uh, like when you're watching a show that feels funny one moment and then it's suddenly very real and dramatic or scary the next moment, mm. uh, I love stuff that strides that line and juxtaposes those sort of emotions so that you as a viewer aren't led by the hand and told like, okay, now you're going to feel this way. Now you're going to feel this way. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to make up your mind about how you feel about what's going on. Is it funny? Is it dark? Is like, am I supposed to laugh? Am I supposed to be in shock? Like I, I, I like stuff like that a lot these days. Yeah, because it's a lot, I think it's a test of brain power a lot more. And it's like it's one of those things where we've been handheld through so many movies that when they're like, all right, you're free now. It's like the inner child in us. We're like, oh, we get to run around on our own. Oh, shit. Let's do this. Like, what, or what's going to happen now? Like, I think a great current example uh, just swept all the fucking awards last year was Fleabag. I don't know if you caught that. Fleabag. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fleabag is like funny one moment and then powerfully emotionally dramatic the next and it's uh it it really has that strange juxtaposition. So in a single hour you feel like you've experienced all these different emotions. And I, I really dig that. It's true. It's very true. 
Now, how long have you been working though? Because it sounds like you've been working in the in the business for a while. How long have you been working in comics though? Um, well, I'm curious. I, I think I've reached the eighth or ninth year here of, uh, of of being published. My very first published stuff. Uh, well, the very first thing I did that, that was published was a little eight-page short story, uh, a fish police story that was going in an issue of Dark Horse Presents, an anthology book that they put out. <laughs> and, I yeah, oh. it's silly as shit. My, my real first thing was a Sherlock Holmes story for Dynamite. That was um, there you go. That was five issues long, and that was that was almost a test to see if I could step up to the plate and color the next book that my dad was doing with them, The Shadow Year One. Mm. And, and that book was illustrated by Wilfredo Torres, who does all kinds of great stuff these days. It works in black on Black Hammer, Jeff Lemire, and all kinds of stuff. Um, but that was that, that book really, The Shadow Year One. That was my true having to like step up to the plate. I've always been making art, you know, ever since I was little. Um, and you know, most colorists will tell you this. I never thought I'd become a colorist. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. You know, when I, when I was younger, I grew up drawing in black and white and eventually painting. Um, in high school, I started to dabble in graphic design and photography a ton. And that's when I started fiddling around with Photoshop. And mm. you know, I, I, I cannot remember the first illustration that I colored, like that was inked traditionally, scanned, and then colored digitally. I can't remember the first one that I did, but um, very shortly after I tried doing that, I realized, oh, I, I could do this and make it look a lot better than most colorists very easily. Um, just by using some paintbrushes, some digital paintbrushes, you know, because I have a background in paint, I have a background in storytelling and in illustration. So I knew that just by, you know, applying some digital paints, I could, and, and it, it was an easy in. It's definitely easier to find a job as a colorist than as an illustrator. I can believe um, that. I can definitely believe that. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't pay as well, though. Oh, shit. <laughs> Oh, no. You have to find more gigs than, than you would if you were an illustrator. Mm. Is you it because is it because oh there's not that many people looking to be a colorist? Well, it, it's partially because um, a lot of artists color their own shit, you know, oh. or they just paint their stuff, you know. The the the, uh, the sort of um, pipeline of penciler, inker, colorist. Is, is becoming a little antiquated. I'm, I'm sort of in fear for my job. Oh, wow, <laughs> because, really? <laughs> because, yeah, it's becoming a little unnecessary. A lot of artists are just coloring themselves. You know, the reason that a guy like me gets hired in the first place is because the artist just simply doesn't have the time to pump out monthly illustrated work and color it. Mm, okay. I mean, it makes sense in a way, too, but it also makes... I mean, it all makes sense, though. That's the thing. Like, it makes sense that art, artists color their own stuff, but it makes sense you have a separate colorist so then the artist can go move on different projects once they're done. It really depends on, yeah, and a lot of the guys that I'm working with, you know, they're production guys. They're they're mm. getting their, their shit done on time and out on time monthly as opposed to, you know, dabbling with a book for a long time. They are, there's, there's a schedule, there's deadlines, so that 
pushes the need for somebody to come in and color because almost every single illustrator is capable of coloring their own work. I mean, when they when they draw something, they have in their head what it what it's supposed to kind of look like. Yeah. Color. That's true. They kind of the words. Does that mean the coffee's wearing off? Does that mean though, like, is it make it more difficult though in that sense of like, oh, I had this, and does it? Do you have to go through and redo a bunch of shit too? Because honestly, my the artist who I have for all my books, he that I work with, shout out to you, Paul. He colors his own stuff, so I never really get to have like the in knowledge with being a colorist and stuff like that, or getting to talk to too many of you folks. I love y'all, but not too many come on the show that much. So what like? Is it easy or difficult with that in a sense? Like you're like, oh, I have this, and here's the color, or and you get a bad day, send it back. Like, hey, we actually thought it was blue, not red. Like, oh shit. Well, like I was saying earlier uh, in in the interview here, I I really just don't work well with excessive notes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So you know, yes, there are occasional corrections here and there. When I started working for my dad and coloring the stuff that he illustrates. Um, or rights, but whatever, if, if it's his story, I used to get a lot of, um, feedback and critique when it was necessary here and there. And he would push me these days, every single page that I sent him colored, I get a big thumbs up back. (laughs) That's good. That's good. (laughs) Because it's just, you just get good at it. I mean, it's like anything in life. You just kind of get better at it and better at reading the line art and and correlating that to the script so Mm. like i do get the script i'll read the script sometimes it's a really specific script that's very wordy that's long sometimes it's a more open script my dad for example writes very open scripts when he's working with an artist when he's not working with an artist he just he doesn't write a script he just fucking starts drawing like you know fair i mean it makes sense yeah (laughs) it's like why why waste the time Exactly, that's how easy, so why waste the time, yeah. Um, But when he's writing for an artist, he writes a pretty loose script, and that way the artist has a lot of room to interpret and to do their own thing. And the same goes kind of for the color here, is like, there might be an occasional color note in the script, um, got, you know, uh, a villain descends from the sky, he's wearing a green cape and emerald, you know, (laughs) shirt, like whatever. That, That is pretty specific. Otherwise, it's my job to sort of interpret, you know, if, if the description is villain descends from the sky wearing, wearing like new menacing outfit. Well, menacing, what does that mean? I'm just going to have to interpret like what menacing colors would be on that guy mm. and how they would fit into the environment. Of course, you want the colors to match. You want your palette to look uh, cohesive and, and complementary. So... I'm always conscious of a lot of moving things when I'm making color decisions. Um, mm. I'm conscious, but I'm also tapping into my subconscious. I do, I do just roll with it. I do kind of just go with in, intuition, what feels right. That's one reason why I love using Photoshop to color. Uh, I have all the colors available to me. I'm not limited by, in the old days, they had you know limited palette, extremely limited palette to color comic books with. That was due to printing restrictions, uh, ink ink restrictions. Nowadays, you know, they can they can print any color in the CMYK spectrum. So, sure. I have a ton of colors available to me. Um, so picking them is not is not so difficult as just making the whole thing look cohesive by the end. When I 
start the piece off, it certainly doesn't look cohesive and finished or even like it could be published like that with the flat colors or whatever. It takes some finagling and some some shifting. Um, yeah, and, and as far as the, to, to loop it back there, as far as the feedback goes, uh, very little these days. Um, if there is feedback, I will usually change it. I will sometimes argue that it doesn't need changed. <laughs> hey guys and gals, Dakota here with a quick little ad break for you. So folks, we always know the classic saying, wear your freak flag high. Now you can, because the Comic Chronicle podcast now has its own little merch line on Redbubble. That's right, folks, we have our own little merch line with some fun little logos. Of course, our Man of Steel-esque logo for the Comic Chronicle podcast. You can get on mugs, t-shirts, sweaters, posters, prints, all sorts of stuff like that on there. And of course, we sell some exclusives that you may be interested in in this new world era that we live in. One of those designs we feature is the little branding called Vigilante in Training. Let people know when you wear your mask or if you want to get a sticker version of the little iconic logo there. Rough dick looking uh, stamp on there on your mask that's blue, a little dark blue. Vigilante in training. Or if you want, we have in a word bubble on there, trying to best to explain this on a podcast, in a word bubble, make comics, not war. Get that on t-shirts, sweaters, posters, a mask, buttons, phone cases, all sorts of stuff like that on there. And of course, lastly, we have Blockbuster Kid. Take on the Blockbuster logo. You know, a lot of us, like myself, we grew up a Blockbuster. Or, you know, you're a semi-medium age adult and you like Blockbuster too. You want to support the past and keep a little bit of retro on there. You can do that too. Get your t-shirts, masks, buttons, stickers with Blockbuster Kid written on there too. You can check out the store for the Comic Chronicle podcast on Redbubble. And an easier way to do so is you can click the link in the show notes below. And that will help you guys and take you straight down to it. Go to Explore Designs and see what all the fun stuff we have for you guys. See the logos for yourself and support the podcast all in the same sense i give you guys stuff for free which is the podcast and now we give you some merch wear that freak flag high folks so thanks for tuning into this episode and without further ado let's take it back to dakota from the past <laughs> as we all do we're like no 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 this isn't well no you need to change it's, it's okay trust me yes and almost every time i get a note from an from the artist or the writer i won't argue the point but if it's from the editor I will often argue my decision-making because the editor, as, as hands-on as they want to be, they are not the creative. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. And, yeah, like, you think of it, you're right. Because if the writer says nothing like about change, the artist says nothing about change, and you're comfortable with it, that's three strikes. It's good to go. Like, I... That's three strikes is good to go, exactly. Yeah. In, in comic books, more than in other things, an editor an editor takes on a managerial role as well. Mm. Um, they are often the one who is coordinating a lot of moving parts. And um, and as a result, they, they feel very invested, and I get that. Um, one of the greatest editors of all time is my beloved auntie, uh, Diana Schutz. Oh, uh, shit. Dark Horse. And she's a great editor. And she really is very hands-on with the projects and will push things. But when it comes to the art side, not the grammar or the wording of stuff, she usually backs off, you know, because that's um, that's just not her department. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, uh, here's, a, here's a good little example without naming names or anything. I was recently working on um, a thing where a, uh, a Frankenstein book. Nice. 
Um, and he's in the Arctic. And I was coloring his nose a little ruddy. Right? A little a little on the warm side. Like, mm. there's a little bit of blood left in there. Same with, like, his uh, ears. All and right, cool. uh, I got a note back that was, you know, Frankenstein's dead. He wouldn't be cold. There wouldn't be that readiness in the nose. Um. <laughs> and that was from the editor. And I had to point out, look, several pages later, Frankenstein is shivering. <laughs> yeah, like, he's alive. Like, he's... Why would he be shivering if he doesn't have blood running through his nose? And that that's just a little simple, simple slip-up that they're not seeing. But, like, you know, I... I uh, I usually am very conscious about these decisions. You know, I spent a lot of time looking at this page and applying the colors. And so I, I'm staring at this art probably longer than anyone is. I mean, the artist certainly stares at it a certain amount of time, too. But he's not staring at the finished version for as long as I'm, I'm staring at it. You know, mm, yeah. I, I'm staring at this art for a lengthy amount of time while I'm coloring it. So I get very familiar <laughs> it's true, yeah. You you know the ins and the outs and the extreme details. Actually, I didn't think about that. Yeah, because you're looking at the art piece for what? Oh, I'm gonna probably take a guess, eight nine hours a day. Well, yeah, like I said, about two pages a day, so more like four. Four. Oh, okay, fair. That's still four hours. You're looking at one picture or two hours on one, however it is that you may do, or depending on the piece and whatnot. But that's still hours you're looking at something you notice the details and shit like that especially when you're working on it not like a wilson fisk looking at the like white ass painting like oh but like you're actually working on it and you tend to get a pretty familiar with something when you do that and to color it also i'm going through very meticulously you know an artist when they're doing like texture in an area or even a bunch of rocks they're just like drawing those little rocks very quickly and moving yeah. on and I'm kind of having to go through and identify each and every rock <laughs> um, yeah. in the color stage. So the colorist is very, very familiar with the with yeah, like every minute uh, line art detail on the page. Um, yeah, and yeah, I don't really get very much feedback these days. Uh, I, I prefer. I, honestly, the best projects that I do um, these days, they start with a nice phone conversation with the artist. You Ooh, know, okay. we talk about what we're trying to achieve, and he'll give me any notes or specifics that he has. Um, but in general, you know, after that conversation, I'm just sort of left to the races, and that that I think produces the best results when I'm left to my own devices here in the basement. It's. it's and, professional too it's very professional when they're like here you go and if it helps out mentally like you know what they have faith in me yes that sort of yeah, thing yeah, i'm glad you brought up that word having faith or having respect or just a little yes uh, losing a little bit of control um s- submitting yourself to the flow of this project mm-hmm. it's super helpful yeah to to recognize that You've hired this person. You're in cahoots. You're collaborating with this person. You've chosen them because you respect that they can do the job you want done. And uh, and just, yeah, giving them that respect will, will go a long way. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, that's that could be said, though, for anything, though, Brandon. That's the thing, too. It's like if you get the respect. Like, so many things. So many things. Well, like I said before, though, I don't want to take too much of your time today. We're coming near the end here. 
but good man, I have to say is thank you for coming on the show, though. It's been a blast having you on. Very, very informational, by the way. Oh, word. Yeah, I feel like we barely even talked about coloring, but... Uh... it's Well, kind of, kind of not. I mean, a little bit more on the, like, motivational side of things, and then... Well, we talked about a lot. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> but, yeah, man, they, but... Like, I gotta ask you, though, is... Because the first thing I gotta answer is because I, we all have our dreams and stuff like that, our dream projects and whatnot. Do you have any dream projects you ever want to work on as a colorist? And I know you said before, though, you mentioned, like, I'm in fear for my job, but take that out of the equation because we're all in fear for our jobs these days as people in creative arts. But what do you... Is there, like, a project or a series that's not superhero because you said you're getting away from that that you really want to work on or touch or something like that? And if you can't talk about it, that's fine. I understand completely NDAs. that I am just just sort of easing my feet into. But like I said, I've been doing a lot of digital painting work lately. Mm. And if you want examples of that, I can certainly send them to you. Or if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, you've already been seeing I've been doing just a crap ton of painted commission work, painted cover work, painted pin-up or splash art, stuff like that. Single images, not storytelling pages. Um, but I'm working on a serial killer story um, that... Uh, that I'm going to fully paint, and oh, so yeah, wow. that's, that's that's my dream, man. I don't want to be coloring other people's art for for that much longer. Like I said, I kind of fell into this uh, the coloring thing, and um, the jobs just kept coming to me. The work just kept coming, and so that's that's what I've fallen into. But ultimately, yeah, I want to do my own stuff. I have. Um, I'm quite good at uh, or proficient at, at storyboarding or storytelling, thumbnailing out a story. Um, and I'm, I'm quite proficient at digital painting now because I've taken those skills from digitally coloring and now I'm applying them to the illustration side of things and I'm just digitally painting my own work these days. And uh, so, yeah, keep your eye out for stuff like that. I'm definitely going to be doing more and more of that that I can find free time for because uh, I'm going to have to start pitching this stuff to publishers or kickstarting the projects, whatever it is going to take to get this stuff out there. But, um, but yeah, that's sort of the next stage for me is to start painting my own stories. And I'm inclined to paint stories in sort of that Bill Sienkiewicz, David Mack oh, fuck. Uh, sort of way where it's a lot of like flowy, um, painty imagery as opposed to classic nine panel grids or, or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's, in my taste, I think it's a little bit more beautiful. And, and yeah. It's a little well, classic, classic. Because I'm coming from a colorist and a painterly side is that I want I want a lot of the art to stand on its own, like as if it could almost be hung hung up somewhere. Oh, uh, that's – oh, sir, that's the way to do it. Yeah, hell yeah, man. That's definitely – I mean, that's what you want. Like, you want somebody to hang up your art and shit. Like when somebody yeah. hangs up something that's yours or like, hey, I got this and it's yours, like – I got a Redbubble store up now for the shit. And it was like, networks, hey, can you put one up? And people have been buying stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, people really buy my shit? Huh, this is weird. <laughs> like, you know, like, it, I don't know. Like, I think it's kind of like internally kind of one of the goals is like people be so happy they hang up your shit. Yeah, definitely. And, and like I said, well, when COVID started, you know, I said my two books got put on pause. So I opened my private commission list. And I've been busy painting private commissions ever since. Again, if you're curious uh, what that stuff looks like, check out my Facebook or Instagram. Or if you want, I can just send you an email here after this uh, 
phone call if you want to put some of this up with the uh, podcast, some of my painted work. Um, but oh. yeah, I've been I've been printing that stuff on lush felt paper. It's beautiful paper, sort of like watercolor paper, and it just makes the stuff look so pretty. And uh, and I've been shipping out a ton of orders of this stuff. I've been seeing it on Instagram, and it's fucking beautiful, dude. I I'm not stroking or anything. I'm being honest. It's fucking beautiful. Thank you. Yes, I'm. That, that's that's the kind of work that I want to do. I'm. Uh, you know, coloring has brought me a lot of personal joy and a lot of fulfillment mm. um, and a real sense of accomplishment over these years. I mean, I, I have, I think I have over 10 graphic novels now Jesus. under my belt, full graphic novels, some of them hardback, beautiful hardback. I got to work with Quentin Tarantino oh. on, a, uh, on a Django Zorro crossover for Dynamite wow. that was the official sequel to the Django film. Jesus. I got to do all kinds of cool stuff coloring and working with artists that i've always thought of as heroes and people that i could never possibly work with like tim sale i've been coloring tim's work for years now and uh all of that again a great sense of fulfillment and accomplishment but nowadays is leaving me feeling just a little lackluster like there's something more out there for me and i think i think it's this i think it's this next next stage yeah. i've been talking about it's shown it i mean it's shown it and if you're feeling it, then go for it. I mean, it's a bold new world that we live in, man. So anything's possible these days, you know? It's it's like, it's, fuck, it's a new world from January 2020. Remember we all celebrated this year? Yeah. I feel gypped. Uh, fuck, I feel gypped. But yeah, like, I'm, I'm saying go for it. Oh, before, like, we've talked about it, but where the hell can people find you at on Instagram and that? My Instagram handle is Bren Colors Comics. All one word, B-R-E-N, Colors Comics. And uh, find me on Facebook. I'm quite active on both of them, posting posting daily um, colored pages that I do, before and after examples. Even sometimes I'll post uh, like little palette samples of pages that I color to show just like sort of a stripped down version of what the overall palette of that page is. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm big on process stuff, so I'm always showing stuff like that and i've been posting again a lot of digital painted work as well nice man nice well i can't wait to see what you do i mean i'm gonna be following you for a while now because i want to see where the hell you go with this especially because anything's like i said anything's possible and with I mean, your name and everything you've done you got a lot ahead of you man and I'm, i know i'm like the guy younger than you telling you this shit it seems kind of weird but i'm saying like you know you gotta look i see a lot of good things in the future hey thank you man if anyone wants to check out like some very current stuff coming out both uh my dad and i he's drawing and i'm coloring these little um uh sandman pieces that are going along with the audible sandman that that is uh that has just come out here seems to be pretty popular they got they got a great voice cast for it yeah. uh, uh, uh James McAvoy's uh, dream. <laughs> <laughs> we live in that world, man, where we have a Sandman Audible right now. Yeah, voiced by James McAvoy. Yeah. Right uh, <laughs> like, but, what? Yeah, they're, doing, they're putting out, along with that Audible, they're putting out a... Um, a series of illustrations from all kinds of illustrators um, who have worked in the Sandman universe. Uh, and it's called Drawn from the Dreaming. And I believe if you want to, if you, I believe this is still in the running here, but listeners um, have been writing in their dreams 
and select dreams have been uh, chosen to be illustrated. Whoa. And uh, so I believe, again, that it's still open. So if you want to get your dream in, write into the uh, Drawn from the Dreaming. Um, they have an Instagram page, too, Drawn from the Dreaming. Uh, but, yeah, very very cool stuff. You know, artists like Jill Thompson, Kelly Jones, um, all kinds of uh, great illustrators are working working on this stuff that have, that have uh, mostly just the biggest names who have worked in the Sandman universe. Uh, are participating in this so uh so yeah if you want to see some very current stuff that i'm coloring that is that is coming out now wow you can't how the fuck do you top that man <laughs> like we're, hey I, I know you can do it but man that's huge <laughs> wow. well like i said brendan thank you for coming on the show good man it was a blast having you on here Sweet. Likewise, good man. Likewise. You need anything when I even promotion? I'll say it on record right now. You've got the show at your hand. I'll put a commercial in for you. <laughs> I think, is that what we just did? Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. I mean, like, when your own projects come a little bit more fruition, you got more, like, hey, I need to promote this. Like, all right, here we go. So, yeah, the book's all, the door's always open for you. But, man. Yeah, man, yeah I'd love to come back on and, and do some promotion when I have some, uh, personal painted um painted stories out to the public or i'm about to kickstart them or whatever um maybe maybe a few months down the line here yeah sure don't jinx anything don't jinx it (laughs) because we all have plans and they all go down the shitter very fast nowadays so don't jinx anything oh no or or you could look at it this way Hmm. uh set some goals ah there you go that works better that's a better way to say it set some goals because you probably won't reach them but it's uh but it's it's the it's the reach that matters. That's where you feel the stretch. <laughs> Amen to that, man. Amen to that. Will you stay safe and stay healthy out there, okay, man? You too. Great talking. Great talking. Talk to you later, boss.